Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey gang, welcome to the best Tuesday you've had all week. I'm here with True Wealth. This is Justin Bruggeman with Matt Dixon. And as you can tell, David Littlejohn is not here. Where is he at, Justin? He's at Disneyland. Yeah, he ditched us. He's off gallivanting down in California with the family and kids, having a bunch of fun while we're stuck here in the rain. That's right. Have you ever actually been? Have you ever been to Disneyland? You know, I feel like I'm the only one I know that hasn't been. And my wife keeps talking to me like, "Hey, you know, surprise me with a trip to Disneyland." And I keep failing. So I'm in the hot seat for that one. But one of these days, one of these days we're going to get down there. I went when I am was, I'm too young to remember even that I actually went, except for the bad part, the part that I remember, Wait, which I can't remember. The rem- bad part? Yeah, What's the bad I, part? I can't remember if it was Disneyland or Universal Studios. Did you like puke on someone? You're on a roller coaster and like. The G-forces just carried it down the line or something? What happened? No, 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 no. I went on a ride, which I think it was at actually Universal Studios. It was the Backdraft ride. Okay, I'm not familiar. Do you familiar. remember the original Backdraft? No, I don't. Describe okay. this. Give me some so context here. It's pretty much, well, the movie, I can't remember the exact movie, but the ride was you literally were on almost a consider an elevator, and it was just flames and hotness right at you and the platform you're on would shake. Okay. And it scared the living heck out of me <laughs> where I was screaming, where my mother had to cover my mouth. Oh, man. Because I was kicking and screaming, um, which, by the way, I don't like fire that much, um, <laughs> which I blame my parents for that one. So thanks, Mom and Dad. Um, I'm taking it that was the last time you ever got on this ride? That was the last and only time. We'll okay. see if it ever happens again. I've been meaning to, to get the kids down there because they're at the perfect age, mm-hmm. uh, 8 and 13, where 13, he's going to be getting too old to want to go with his family. Uh-huh. And the 8-year-old's just old enough to actually be able to enjoy it. So. Okay. So thank you all for listening. Um, me and Matt were sitting there contemplating things that we should talk about today, and it came across that... A good topic that we could talk about was money conversations with your family. Ah, I feel like a lot of people just put up like a, a shield there, like, oh no. Yeah, they might have just shut the Not the money off. talk. Like, We're done. Yeah. Don't tune us out quite yet because. This is going to be good. We've got some high quality stuff for you today. So yeah, we're going to break this down a little bit to money conversations you have with one, your spouse, or should and could have, money conversations you have with your children, and also money conversations you have with your parents. Which one do you want to start with, Justin? You know... I'm going to start with the spouse. Oh, man, going right for the meat, right out of the gate. I like it. We're going right at it. Okay. Which, Matt, you kind of explained to me earlier that typically most of the time in marriages and relationships and things like that, you usually have two different brains that are working. One is usually a spender. One is usually a saver. Yeah. The research does tend to suggest that that's how most marriages are. You've got the spender and you've got the saver. Which 
if you have both two spenders and two savers, that doesn't mean that's wrong, but this is just statistically right. where it happens. Yeah. Um, which what I know I can relate to this. I, I am I'm a spender. I'm not a spender on myself. Okay. I'm a spender on everybody else. So and, you spoil your wife with lots of amazing stuff then? Yes. Okay. There and we go. She's if she asks for something, she I don't say no very often. It's hard though. They give you those puppy eyes and it's like I can't deny you this, right? Like, Bust out the credit do card. Do I really need this? But um, which brings me to another kind of thought in my mind. Like it's Christmas week. Um, it I is. know some of you husbands, wives are scrambling like crazy to finish everything off for the kids. I know, or, and your spouses, I am as well. Um, but I'm the worst because I have to buy late because if I have it before I give it to her beforehand, you know, I got to admit to you I'm actually kind of that way too I am the worst when it comes to keeping a secret like I want to give you all of the clues and the hints and drive you insane until you try and guess it and then I'm like darn it you actually right you actually guessed it I gave you too many clues me too nailed it that was it yeah (laughs) exactly so So do you have to like go and get stuff gift wrapped so that you prevent yourself from just handing it over that would be a preference uh-huh. um, I'm very much a Christmas Eve shopper because that's how I can do it because I can't I just can't hold the secret by the way I'm the worst at wrapping gifts like you can ask my wife we were do we were wrapping gifts just you know the other day and she sees me put this thing underneath the tree and she's like Matt what did you do and I'm like you know, you would think I would be good at this, right? But no, I'm not. I am the worst. Like if the box is fully covered with gift wrapping paper, I did something right. Duct tape and zip ties. That's how I function right there. So even though if you guys are all out shopping, please travel safe, shop safe, and be patient because it's chaos out there. Um, Hopefully you've done it before now. Yeah. Hopefully you're not pulling a Justin here. Yes. Or you should. Just be careful. So money conversation with spouse, which Matt and I were kind of thinking about this and we were looking at is where do you even start the conversation with financial conversations with your spouse? The biggest aspect of what I kind of looked at is where does our money go? That really is the number one question, isn't it? Because typically... Only one person actually tends to know. The other person just kind of on the back burner, like mm-hmm. oh, it's there. Um, and I, I or, do even, you check your your bank statements? No. All, I, I, I used to. Yeah. Back before I got married, I was like on top of it to the dollar, you know, just watching everything come in and out. And then once I got married, and life gets even, you know, more expensive, I'm like, I just don't even want to see it almost. Yeah, I, I really don't. Um, my wife does, and I'm thankful for my beautiful wife in this. Is she keeps me in line too? Ah, okay. Um, I deal. I tend to deal with all of our retirement investment. I deal with that mm-hmm. part, but our day to day spending, we have money going in so many different directions, and she's that box checker on how she processes everything and I'm just not I'm just like yeah we'll just pay it just pay it yep and she like schedules it out and she pays everything so I'm very thankful for that and I apologize to her because uh, I know I'm horrible 
but you know, I found a trick for this, Justin. So my trick is I just try not to buy anything all month long. So then that way I know that there's money in the account when it comes time to pay the credit card bill. It, that's, that's, that's honestly where I've gotten to at this point. It's just like, ah, life is so expensive. Just don't buy anything. And then maybe there'll be some money left over at the end of the month. Right. You know, there better be money left over because you got yeah. a plan for this. You really do. And so if you have this kind of separation on how husband and wife's works or your partner works on if one person's a big spender, the other person's a big saver, it's really, it's really helpful to set, you really have to sit down and set boundaries onto what each other can do. Mm-hmm. So whether it's even for me is I cannot have cash. I can have a spending limit, but I cannot have cash. Just burn through it. Well, cash is like monopoly. Got like a hole in your pocket or something, Justin. Just, get that I sewing get kit out. I'm so excited about it. I just want to give it away. <laughs> I um, love it. But also is if you can set boundaries and limits, say, all right, let's spend this much on groceries this month. Mm-hmm. This month is going to, you know, car payments, mortgage, credit card bills if you have them. And then, but and then come together and because if you guys both aren't on the same page it's going to be a mess mm-hmm. i mean i can you know come home and say why did you spend this money when they can turn around and be like well you did this and it's like well that doesn't make sense everybody needs to be on the exact same page and it's, it's a, true and it's a useful conversation my wife she's a data analyst and she lives in excel all day long mm-hmm. and she recently got this idea that she was going to start to track the spending Uh-oh. in excel sheets and it was actually really interesting like on this concept of where does all of our money go mm-hmm. when you start seeing it month by month in that excel sheet you can be like man you know we were really lazy and we didn't cook enough this month we right. ate out way too much and we spent way too much money on thai food so let's reel that back next month. And I think you're right. I think having it visually and being able to see it is a big piece into knowing where is it going so that we can do a better job the next month. Especially like Checks and balances. Both partners need to see it. Oh, and she shows me. She'll text me. She'll be like, so you spent a little too much money on fishing tackle this last month. And so I know it's time to rein it in a little bit. Right. So that's a very important conversation to have is as a couple, both of both of you need to see it and analyze it and see if the uh, next question is, do we need to change it? Can we fix where we spend money? Mm-hmm. Which that's always a big topic on even in my household is where our money goes and when is how much should we entertain? Um how much should we be spending on groceries, which groceries have gotten more expensive as the last six months have gone. Yeah, you're going to not be able to invite me over to your house. I'm going to eat you out of house and home. Yeah, You've seen how much I can eat, Justin. You, you cook. You're kidding. It's like, Matt, you can't come over and eat ribs anymore. Too many. You're cut off. And then the other conversation is also is, even with my wife, is like she has no idea what's going on with our retirement plan. Mm-hmm. because that's where I kind of step into it versus on she kind of does the everyday budgeting and I do our investments and retirement planning. And it also comes back to the conversation is, are we saving enough for 
when we want to retire and what do you and your spouse or even if you don't have a spouse yet uh, or ever is what you want to do when you retire Mm -hmm. and so having a plan for that are we saving enough are we saving too much is it tax aware um those are big conversations do you have like a good general rule of thumb for our listeners when thinking about you know how much do i actually need in retirement because i mean i've heard uh, you know, numbers like I need eight times my annual salary. Would you say that that's like a good starting place for our listeners to kind of gauge um, like how much they might need so they have a general understanding of that? I think more of it is how much should I be saving now mm. rather than what, which there's always, you can back Like, like a say, percentage of annual salary or something? Right. Okay. So I want a million dollars later. You can, you know, schedule that on how to get there. What rate of return do I need to get there? But typically a good rule of thumb is 10 to 15% of your income is saved for retirement. And if I remember correctly, they can go to our website and there is a retirement savings calculator on there. There 100% is. LittleJohnFS.com. Okay. There's lots of tools in there that can help those decisions. And if you're not sure about that, you can always give us a call at... 541 Three seven five zero eight nine eight. Wow, you actually. I'm on it, Justin. Number. David, when he's in the studio, he's always quizzing me, so I've got that number burned into my brain. Well, that's perfect. But um, the other aspect is is having a risk tolerance as a couple as well. Yes. Typically, one person's more aggressive, the other person's more conservative. So having that balance and understanding as a couple is yeah. a positive thing. Who has more risk between you and your wife? I know like in my marriage, my wife, she has a much higher risk tolerance than I do. I'm naturally more conservative. Is it that way in uh, yours? No, I'm 100% more conservative. Really? Yes. Okay. Or, no, I'm 100% more aggressive oh, than my wife. Oh, okay. Uh, no, she'd rather just dollar, you know, dollar come in. This is dollars we have. And I'm like, let's just make some money. That's um, funny. But... We are actually at this point where we need to take, what, an obscene profit break. Profit break. Um, So you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQN. We'll be back after the break. Hey gang, welcome back. We were just going back and reviewing what we were talking about uh, the last session me and Matt were. If you missed any of it, you can listen to it on our podcast. You sure can. Uh, And where do they get to that? Little John FS. FS is in financial services. That's right. (laughs) So we were going through on money conversations with your spouse and we kind of finished quickly on the risk tolerance aspect. Which Matt brought up a great point. If you've never taken a risk tolerance questionnaire, I honestly think you should do it separately and then together and get a blended aspect of it. Um, yeah. And I think maybe one of the real important reasons for that is I mean, I don't know about you, Justin, but I've seen it a few times where, you know, you have a husband and wife come in and 
one of them has really high risk, like we kind of talked about, and the other one has a lower risk. Right. And so you guys are like on really different playing fields, which is okay, but it's interesting to actually know what your spouse's risk number is. It, it really is. And even I think even more interesting is that is when you take it separately and then you take it as a couple, mm-hmm. it usually comes up blended almost exactly because you kind of feed off each other unless one one person in that couple is just the primary everything like they make all the financial decisions Mm -hmm. and that usually gets skewed but typically as a couple you find that medium place it's like all right this makes sense which doesn't mean your whole portfolio i guess in that matter has to be this blend it can be one person's taking more one person's taking less and then you have this combined risk score and do you want to talk about a little bit maybe like different tools that we use in order to assess risk and how that works yeah so you can get on our website and you can take a risk tolerance questionnaire and see where you're at with that and then when it comes back if you have questions about that you can of course call us um but it's a good it's a good practice to have as a family, as a couple. I mean, don't have your kids take it. They got no idea. Um, maybe, unless they're older. Yeah. I mean, my eight-year-old isn't going to be taking a risk tolerance questionnaire. Here, it's like, how many LOL dolls can I have? <laughs> <laughs> but the measure of risk isn't, they have, which the, the efficiency frontier is versus the risk versus reward trade-off. So... On a risk spectrum, let's just make math easy, on 1 to 10. If you're at a 7, 8, that's kind of like the peak of this efficiency frontier. I'm taking on this much risk, and I expect this much return. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you get into the 90s, the 99, the 100, like the 100, you're at the casino. What they're saying pretty much is if you're at a 100 risk profile, stay at the casino as long as you want. And just keep putting it all on black. (laughs) Because eventually the casino's going to win. And it always does. That's why they comp you a room. It's to get you to stay longer. Yeah. So it's always a good aspect to have an understanding as a couple, as a family, to see where you're at on the risk spectrum, and also just to see if it needs adjustments. Mm-hmm. And if those questions ever arise, give us a call. Yeah. We'll help you out. Yeah. And that risk number is an interesting one, too. And if you get some time and you know some free time to look into this, Risk based on age. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't actually take that into account. Like you can afford to take a little bit more risk when you're younger because you have so many more market cycles right. um, that you're going to go through. So, um, you that's... know, and if you're at a, a super conservative in your 30s, mm-hmm. you know, expectations are between two to three percent when inflation's at four to five percent the next couple of years. Yeah. Or the last year, then you're losing purchasing power in the process even though you can't act if it's in a retirement fund you can't access any of this for yeah 30 years and your ability to compound that money you know really is limited if you're yeah. not taking on the appropriate amount of risk so it's so another really good reason to just find a financial professional mm-hmm. and have a conversation I'm not saying you got to go out and use someone and invest with them, but at least have a conversation, right. wouldn't you say? 
Yes. And the general rule, the golden rule, is the rule of 72. What? Oh, talk about that. I, you know, I, I don't know that David and I have talked about that in a while. So It's probably been a while. We've talked, he's talked about it before. So if you look, the rule of 72 is what interest rate do I need to get to double my money? Mm-hmm. So if I can get 10% a year on average, mm-hmm. you should be able to double your money in seven years. Right. 72 divided by seven is it's a little less than that, but 10% or 10 uh, or 72 divided by 10 is 7. There you go. Um, I was like, wait a minute. Or to get 7%, it takes 10 years to double your money. Mm-hmm. So it's that efficiency in returns. The higher it gets, the more times you can double your money, which is the less amount you have to save, even though you should save more. And the brighter that retirement account is going to be. That's right. So nobody's yeah. ever been upset that they've saved too much money. Yeah. Google it. Like go on there, look at the rule of 72, play with the numbers. It's really interesting, but maybe not for everyone. I'm a numbers person. I love math. So right. Might not be your thing, but I love it. It's fun. So we're going to, I'm going to take a step a little bit different as not necessarily the conversations with your spouse, but the conversation with your children. Okay. Which I can even say at this one at, um, I have two amazing children that are 13 and 8, and they frustrate me like crazy. They do not understand the concept of money whatsoever. No? No. I have a rule in my house. If they're given money and it's sitting on the ground or somewhere where I can see it. Are you taking it? 72 hours. That's the rule. Really? And then it's mine. That's funny. Do you have a Roomba? Like, is it like going around the house, like picking up money? Is it back in? I wish. That's what you need to do, Justin. You need a Roomba that goes around and collects your kid's pocket change and be like, gotcha, kid. I'm not that horrible of a person. It doesn't mean I actually take the money and spend it for myself. I save it for them. It's just a point for me to. There you go. Take it from them and just be mean for a little bit. But also they just don't understand. It's how to train children to save is, it's hard. And I wish that they taught this at a very young age. Have, have you found anything that's been successful so far where you're like, this is this is working pretty good? Like, have you done the whole, like, your chores are going to get you $5 for taking out the trash a week? Or, like, have you tried any of those type of methods? You, yes. Okay. Yes. Some work, some don't. I, my, my oldest, he's getting it. Um, he, the concepts of it. The youngest one, she, I don't think she'll ever spend money, but she'll probably live with us till she's like 30. So. Does she have like a piggy bank that she puts it all into? 100%. Nice. Um, and she does not know how much is in it. I think she's counted it a couple of times. But, but having this conversation with your children of saving even at an early age, when you get birthday money and things like that, because, of course, you give my daughter $20, she's going to go buy two LOL dolls or whatever they are, which they're expensive, so you only get two. Mm. But to get them to save this and compile money so that when, one, they can drive, they can have gas money, things like that, um, it's a good tool f- to just start early. It's something I never did. I never started saving early. I just spent. And so now I always look back as like, darn it. 
when I was 18 years old, I wish I saved 10 to 15% of every dollar I had, just even put in a bank account for that matter. Um, yeah, I feel like kids really, that's one area, you know, because I was a math teacher for eight years, mm -hmm. and I watched a lot of kids come through my classroom where they really didn't have that concept of what something cost, right? Like right. you'd ha you'd see a kid with a $300 phone and they throw it on the floor for laughs and giggles. Like, you know, they didn't have that, that awareness of, man, you know, this isn't cheap. This really right. takes a lot of effort to earn this. And so, yeah, I do think it's really important that they understand the value of things. Yeah. And just start driving it early. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's just a habit. I mean, I'm a habitual person. I get in habits of things. So if I do things a certain way, then they tend to stay that way. Yeah. Um, which it's hard to break a habit. So when you do things the same way all the time, even if you're a spender, because I'm a natural spender, I will continue to spend money and it takes a while to break or twist that. Habit. What was your very first job, Justin? Uh, I worked at auto repair shop. Okay. How old were you? Uh, 16. Okay. Right when I could drive. Yeah. And did you have like a moment, like an eye-opening moment where you're like, man, like I'm working a lot of hours and this money isn't coming in as quick as I'd like it to. Like this, this work stuff is real. This is difficult. I had one of those moments. I, my very first job was picking strawberries Okay. and I had something I wanted and it was like 600 bucks. And I worked all summer and I don't even think I got to that $600 right. spot. Like, you know, you don't make very much on a flat of strawberries. I think it was like $4 or something ridiculous. So, you know, you're out there in the hot sun, you're picking strawberries. Right. And, you know, my dad, he was cool. And I was like $150 short of whatever it was that I wanted. And he came in and he's like, you know, I watched how hard you worked. You know, you made your... 450 bucks. I'm going to spot you the other 150, but I had a real appreciation for that $150 because I knew how hard I had to work for the 450. Right. So I think it's like little things like that that really make a difference with the kids in kind of coming to know what everything is worth and how hard you have to work to get it. It does. It's getting them to realize just to work for it. Do mm -hmm. anything. Do things around the house. Do chores. Do the chores you're not asked to do. There you go. Um, That's one of the reasons I want to have kids. Like, man, I'm falling behind on all these chores. I need some kids to help me out. <laughs> Just wait. Buddy. Yeah? Just wait. Um, You're like, it doesn't work that way, Matt. <laughs> sometimes it does. Uh, but we're coming up on our obscene profit break we need to take. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQN. This is Justin. And Matt Dixon. Hey gang, welcome back. We're just talking about money conversations with our children or younger children. And Matt brought up a good point, the credit card conversation for your children. Ooh, yeah, Which that is a good one. It brought up a funny one because I asked Matt, do you remember what your 
first credit card purchase ever was. I really don't. And I remember being really nervous about it, too, the first time. But I can't for the life of me remember what it was. Do you? I do. What was it? I went to Sears, which doesn't exist here anymore, and I bought a 40-inch widescreen TV. Get out of here. No, you didn't. How much? I mean, back then, 40-inch TVs were like, what, $800? It was $1,100. Oh, man. um, So... It was funny because I, my brother actually worked there uh, about a year before, and he got a credit card there. He was, he's five years older than me. Older than me. I'm 18 years old. I walk in, and they give me like a $5,000 credit limit. You're kidding. Just have minimum wage job, you know, working 30 hours a week in, in high school, and just this big limit. So, of course, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at, I need a TV. I played video games a lot back then. It's what I wanted, so I wanted the best that they had. Um, which, not going to lie, it lasted a long time. I think it finally went out like a year and a half ago. Oh, that did last a long time. Um, I'm, I'm not that old, Matt. Yeah. But still. Get up there, Justin. Years or so, 12, 14 years. And so I remember that. And I also remembered I was going and then I went to Oregon State the next year. And you walk into the Oregon State football game. They have these Oregon State blankets and you could have a free one if you signed up for a credit card. No, they did not get you on a free blanket gimmick. hundred percent. I don't know where that blanket went, but it uh, that was a gig. Just the question is, do you still have that credit card? I did not. (laughs) Okay, you cut that one. Or the Sears credit card. Okay. I got plenty of others, but not those. But having the conversation with when it's time or when your when your adult children get to that eighteen, nineteen age, is credit is a very good and an important thing to have. Have a good credit. I actually wish I had started sooner. I don't think I got my first credit card till I was like, I don't know, twenty. I wish I had started a little bit younger just to get that credit score established. And a lot of people go, credit cards are dangerous. People shouldn't have credit cards, which just people should be careful with credit cards. And I think you even mentioned this, you know, some time ago. You were talking about prepaid cards could be a good first step. It can. You can even do, even for, you know, under 18 kids, you can Mm -hmm. do a bank account and your kids can have a card. Then you can load however much money they have. Right. Just to get them trained up, get the habit. Or, you know, set like a $100 or, you know, get a credit card that has a $100 limit right. where you're just using it for gas. Get that behavior trained up early. I probably need one of those. <laughs> but, um, is, but it's also creating the understanding is that if you spend this money, you need to pay it off on a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, not the minimum payment. Pay it all off and just build this. Or if you're going to make payments on it, make good payments, but always have the cash available as if. You know, you're 18 years old, you have a job, or a minimum wage job, that you have this cash available that if you lose that job, you can pay it off and you're not liable for anything. Right. Um, and that's an important aspect to have is have cash on hand available that if you're going to build in credit and things like that, that's okay. Um, but have the cash on hand to pay it off. Have more money than you spend. It, Surprisingly, it's it's, it sounds so simple, but it's just such... Like, a good point to make. It, it really is a hard concept to realize. But just spend less than you make. Um, but it's 100% easier said than done. We are all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I'm sure 
Matt, you are guilty of it. Yeah, some months are definitely a lot worse than others, especially around this time of year when your wife is like, we got to get everyone a Christmas present. And I'm over here like, pump the brakes. There's only so much money. Don't worry, we'll tap into savings. <laughs> no. We'll find it somewhere. And I'm the opposite because I'm like, I'll just buy it. <laughs> so um, it is a good conversation to have, which it's something I really wish they taught more is the benefits of credit cards, the benefits of savings, which I just don't know if they have that. I didn't learn it um, all through high school. I'm going to hit you with something that's completely off topic. Are you prepared? What's your favorite Christmas movie? A Christmas Story. It's the best. It is. And if you haven't seen it, please watch it. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you'll shoot your eye out. It's It's such a good movie. I love it, too. If you're, if you're not a Ralphie fan, then we got a problem. I agree. But, you know, coming in, cl- like, a, I don't know if it's a close second, but I definitely would put it in second place, is The Grinch. Like We've you, watched The Grinch a few times even the last couple weeks. That yeah, like. me too. I actually like Elf, too. Yeah, okay. Or Elf. Elf. I haven't seen, I think there's an Elf, too. I've I think there is. Seen it. But the Elf movie is fun. Everyone in my family hates that movie except for me, and I love it. So you've inspired me. I'm going to go home and watch it after the radio yeah, show. Miracle on 34th Street isn't bad. Either. That's a good one, too. It's a, it's a good you know, Christmas movie. So for all you listeners who have been slacking on your Christmas movies, this is your reminder. Because last year, I was guilty of this. I didn't start watching them until like two days before Christmas. Hunker down, get out the popcorn, put on some Christmas movies. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. We're getting in the weeds, aren't we, Justin? Even if you have, like, there's plenty of good Hallmark shows. They're all the same thing, but. Oh, the Hallmark ones are are hilarious to me because it's like, I know how it's going to end. And I can call it in the first five minutes of the show. But you still feel like you got to watch it because you're like, okay, I know the ending already, but I got to see it happen. Yeah, And they suck you in. They it's true. It, they just do. It's like, you're already this far. You got to finish it. So kind of glossing over, you know, the conversations with your children is try to get them to understand the concept of what money's for and what it does. And when they get to the point of having credit cards and things like that, just create habits for them so they don't blow themselves up is a bad term to use, but don't put themselves trending backwards at a young yeah. age. Yeah. Because if you create that habit going forward, then they continue that habit. They're usually a lot more successful going forward. So we've covered the conversation with the spouse. We've covered the conversation with the kids. And I think the third thing you had on the list when we started the show was conversations to have with your parents. Yes. So should we touch on that one real quick? We can, before yeah, before we get to break, we can touch on it. And conversations with your parents are sometimes hard um, because, one, they raised you. Mm-hmm. And you're, even mentally, no matter what, is your parents kind of tell you what to do. Yeah, and it's... And you don't even ask a lot of questions. I never did. I mean, my parents' financial picture up until five years ago, I had zero idea. Mm-hmm. Never knew how much money they made. Never, I knew what they did. Never knew what their retirement savings were like. 
I never knew what they actually really wanted to do in retirement. So it's just kind of because they've gotten to that age, which people listening, maybe your parents have already gotten to there or things like that. Um, you know, one that's not on the list, though, grandparents. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about it until we, you know, we're here on the show, but grandparents, too. Mm-hmm. The conversation about, you know, do you have a will in place? Do you have yeah. a trust? I know that's a really kind of awkward, potentially awkward conversation but the way that the state's tax structure is i mean mm-hmm. a trust can potentially save that person a lot of money and it could and a good will also directs things away the probate po- process is not fun mm-hmm. um, and so if you can have good instructions on where money goes on and who's controlling it on where the flow of everything goes um that's always a big it's a big win for the survivorship person. Right. Because they don't want to go through that process. That process is never fun. Yeah, that's why that trust can be such a an trust, awesome tool. Uh, a will a will at the very minimum, a trust mm-hmm. if it's needed. Especially if there's over a million dollars in the estate. Over a million then dollars. Then looking the, at that trust becomes, in my opinion, really important. And the complexity of your life, too. If you have yeah. A pretty you know, kind of straightforward. If you have multiple properties in different states and things like that, yeah, 100% should get a trust. Um, should, maybe. Yeah. If it's suitable. Um, which, and if you have questions on that, you can always let us know and we'll help you through any of that process that um, you need. But the biggest, you know, kind of question is, which I've kind of gone through is because my parents have just recently retired or semi-retired is do you have enough money and what are your expectations in retirement mm-hmm. and long-term care is also probably factored into that conversation as well like do i self-insure right. do i need to have long-term care coverage there's just so many pieces to that puzzle i feel like well and there's so many pieces anyway to what happens after retirement even what happens before retirement planning for retirement is easy if nothing bad happens, if mm-hmm. nothing wrong happens, there's no curveballs. A simple plan is easy. If you save enough, you don't spend you don't spend outside your means. You're usually okay. It's really wild to take that financial planning software and start running like Monte Carlo simulate. Yeah, and yeah. it's like it could go this way, it could go this yeah. way, it could go this way, and there's a thousand different lines in all the different possible directions, and then it kind of takes the averages and says, "Hey, I might end up here, right? Here's most your likely." And it's like probability statistics uh-huh. on it. But. If you haven't got to see that, get a hold of us you if should. you want to look at it. Call the office. It's really worth taking a look at. I think. But we got to take our last, I think, and final obscene profit yep. break. So stick uh, we'll be back here in just a few. This is True Wealth. I'm Justin. And Matt Dixon. And you're listening to News Radio 1240 KQEN. Welcome back for this final segment. This is Justin Bruggeman, and I'm here with Matt Dixon. And we were just talking about conversations with your parent, money conversations about or with your parents. And it kind of 
it kind of made me think about this is too because it, we I've just recently kind of gone through it is what is best for certain couples and certain people is very different than yeah. anybody else whether what your what your burn which burn rates a bad words what your survival set, survivor needs are is what do you need to survive every month mm-hmm. to what your freedom needs are is how much do I want to spend every month how many trips do I want to make to see my grandkids it's very different for every person very true and every couple and so if that's something that you ever have questions on, please just let us know. And because it is very different, there's no broad spectrum like this is the right way to do it. Um, it is very individualized. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at that, it's because it's, it's just different. And also a thing to look at and think about is from when you're talking to your parents, if your parents are older or getting to that older age is, who do I need to appoint to make decisions if I become incapacitated? Mm, like a durable power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Or okay. financial decisions if I'm not able to, which obviously I hope it's somebody you trust because they have access to right. withdrawing money. But those are always important things to have in place. And those are always important things also just to, that way everybody's on the same page. If you have multiple siblings, you're a family of four, is one person making that decision or is four people making that decision? Yeah. Because if you get four, you're not going to get four agrees. That's you just, you true. You don't. Stick. And then there you could squabble and fight and it could be a mess. It's like, yeah. just get your ducks in a row. So it's typically just to find somebody you trust, which you can have alternatives like this is top of the line or first in line, then second in line. Mm-hmm. Um and we can help with that, too. We can't. We can absolutely help with that. Those are questions that I love those questions because these are like real life planning questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the how much can I save to get to retirement when you're 25 years old? It's just just a lot to, mm-hmm. to save as much as you can to begin with. And then you make adjustments. Yeah, those are the easy questions. Yeah. Because what you don't plan for is even now, if your car breaks down or you mm-hmm. have to buy a new car it's no longer a ten thousand dollar expense that's a fifty thousand dollar expense just because car prices are actually insane right oh, now. oh it's so bad um yeah not looking forward to doing that one yeah so don't total your car this weekend yes. because i saw the snow report for down south and it looks like there's a little bit of a winter blizzard coming in. So when you're traveling over the holidays, check that weather forecast and be safe because it looks like we actually might have a little bit of a white Christmas I, I this saw, year. I saw that we, I thought it was a little higher than that. I was looking at Monday, Tuesday next week. It kind of looks like we're maybe not for the Roseburg area, but Medford and Grants Pass, mm-hmm. it looks like they're getting the snow. So you live down there. I'm jealous because I'd love to build a snowman and throw snowballs at my wife. Yeah, I think she'd win, bud. Yeah, she. my wife's like super savage. She'll just go for the blood. <laughs> like, She has no no stop button no to it. No shame in her yeah, game. That's right. So just kind of recapping, um, the money conversations with your family is, you know, if it's a spouse or a partner or whatnot, then... 
have that conversation, which... Where does the money go? A happy wife is a happy life, so always keep her happy. <laughs> you know, that, that one is very important. Just don't go bankrupt in the process. Yeah, try not to do that. That'd be great. Um, conversation with your children, just try to get them to have an understanding of what money actually means and what it does and what it's going to to go forward. Um because they don't, a lot of times they don't understand. Is, I mean, you can go to the grocery store and spend, you know, a couple hundred bucks and they come home and eat food. And mm-hmm. they don't understand that that's, a, that's an expense. And it's an important expense. you got to be able to eat. Have them help you coupon, right? <sighs> Couponing sounds so rough. Something I've never really done. They much. have it digital now, Justin. You can just go on your phone, go on the Safeway app or whatever, just click on the coupons, give the kid the phone, be like, how much, like, it, says, it shows it on the receipt. Like, you saved 27%. Challenge those kids. It's funny like, you bring that up because I just went to a place yesterday, and I always forget that I need to update my app. Okay. And so then I'm sitting in the store, like, waiting to While you have out, bad like, service. Like, just give me two minutes for this to update. Oh, no. And, uh, I feel horrible because I, like, that's the most anxiety thing I can have is people waiting on me in line. I'm like, just here, just take the money. Oh, man. Um, but I always do forget that. And that is really is, is you can get on and you can load everything beforehand and go in there, pick it all up and, and go. But yeah. One time I saved over 60 percent. No joke. And then I got the points on top of it. And it's like, OK, now I got 25 cents off a gallon. Right. Can't beat that. Now I can afford to fill up the truck. That's right. Yeah. With a 38 gallon tank, you need all of the savings you right. can get. And then, uh, you know, just have the conversation with your parents if they're getting to their retirement age, just so you have some clarity on going, what's going to happen going forward. Um, Don't be afraid to have that tough conversation because they might appreciate it. Right. And we are running out of time. If you want information, go on to littlejohnfs.com. If you want to shoot us an email at info at littlejohnfs.com. And if you have other questions, you can give us a call at 541-375-1000.